welcome to the World Tennis Show with me, Adam Bayfield, Tony Kerr. Hello. And Patrick Ogier. Hello there. Guys, we're back. People said it would never happen. People said there was no particular appetite for it to happen. But we've done it anyway. This is episode three of the World Tennis Show. I think the last time we did one of these was in January 2013. That's quite yeah. scary, isn't it? Yeah. Have you had a good three years? I think good, so. Yeah. I yeah, so. on, the, on balance. What's yeah. the most memorable thing that happened in the last three years? Uh, I don't know. I did about 110 World Cricket shows. That's face. That's not. <laughs> yeah, true. Or more. Patrick, uh, I've just spent a lot of time trying to get this one arranged. <laughs> so, but the reason we're doing one of these now, I guess, is because the French Open starts this weekend. Why didn't we do it for the 2015 French Open? <laughs> when yes. was the last Sp- one? 2014. 13 January. 2013. Pre-Australian like, Open? Like Roddick or? were probably playing back then. It was Sam Prasvi Lendl, I think, <laughs> yeah. in the final of that one. Yeah. Remember yeah. it well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we left the studio that night, we said, that was great, lads. So see you again in uh, May 2016 for our French <laughs> Open 2016 preview. Yeah. We uh, knew it was going to be a special one then, I think. Well, how, what else will the pundits have to go on apart from our show? Sky well, Sports. They won't know what to think. Well, I think there's a lot of listeners who they don't watch any tennis. They don't Four or five. follow any, <laughs> any other media outlets. Uh, so they're all a bit in the dark. So we're going to have to try and bring them up to speed. I like that once every sort of, I don't know if you get this, but once every sort of four or five months, I get uh, on Facebook, there'll just be something on my notification that would say you have one new view. <laughs> of the World Tennis yeah, Show. Of the yeah. World Tennis Show. World Tennis Show page. Yeah, Trickling down. You wonder what they're getting out of it. Um, Yeah. I'm just looking on the BBC Sport website, if you've heard of that, Mm -hmm. uh, on the tennis section of that. There hasn't actually been an article since since we did the last pod, so obviously (laughs) tennis maybe just stopped, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like a lot of newspapers just get their stories from Twitter now. You know, you'll open an article on on something and it'll just be like two lines of text and then just a load of tweets. I guess all the, the tennis journalists, they just listen to World Tennis Shows, that's where they get their information from and also players like you get some people who want to play just to be famous and if they're no longer discussed on a format like this then you think maybe they'll just wind down mm. hang up the bats well hewitt retired <laughs> hewitt retired i think davidenko probably since we last spoke there's probably well. a quite a big spike in retirements yeah sort of you know two out of the top thousand increase since, yeah, since <laughs> hard the to explain without i mean yeah so in the a, world tennis show. exactly i think yeah it's an obvious sort of correlation to 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 highlight there um, anyway, anyway, we could talk at length about yeah about what this world tennis show means. <laughs> yeah, my certainly my <laughs> girlfriend has been asking that question. Uh, a lot of the people in my yeah. life wondering why perhaps I'm not doing anything more constructive. But yeah, it is the the French Open starting. It starts on Sunday, doesn't it? Well, we've got some breaking news today. I think we can exclusively break the news. Yeah, that Roger Federer has withdrawn. Well, because he actually called you, didn't he? Yeah, so well, it was, it was a Snapchat. Oh, OK. No, no Federer for the first time in 17 years. That's amazing, isn't first it? First time this century. First yeah. time this millennium. Yeah. yeah. So what is it? 65 in a row. That's insane, isn't it? That 65 was, times was, in a um, row. People were tweeting about it before and someone had um, put that the last time Federer missed a slam, Nadal and Gasquet looked like this. And there was a YouTube clip of them playing like the boys final. They're, they're like 11 oh, and 12. Oh, it's actually true. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's and, yeah. big news, obviously, because it, you know it's, it's a phenomenal sort of feat of endurance and physical 
and also technical prowess, isn't it, to have been there because it's, you know, it's the pinnacle of tennis. In a way, though, it's like that we've talked about before, Sky Sports News, when they expect news and then they, when it happens, they break it. It's like, at some point, it had to happen, didn't yeah. it? It's not like... Yeah. It's another one of those things which seems to happen a lot in tennis where people are surprised when something phenomenal finally comes to an end rather than that it that it continues. That you know, it like happens. a streak of, yeah, final, you know, getting to the final or... Well, there's another Federer thing with, yeah. when he got to all those quarterfinals in a row, you know, that astonishing record. And then when he didn't get to the quarterfinal, it was like, wow, Federer's not made a quarterfinal rather than like, oh, wasn't it amazing that he did? Yeah, the, the article I said said, like, the last time... Well, it's the same sort of thing. But it's like, yeah, the last time Federer pulled out was like, people were worried about Y2K. It's got a funny <laughs> yeah, reference, because yeah. that's not something that's crossed my mind for yeah. ever since. Um, yeah, we didn't really, yeah, they didn't really bite, did it, in the way... The Millennium Bug didn't really bite in the way that many expected no, it but to. Genu- you forget you the genuine into- fear. I mean, it was, you know, there was a lot of unknowns, weren't there? We were going, you know, numbers were changing on a, on a piece of paper. Yeah. That was scary. Getting into yeah. your observational comedy about Y2K, digging out your routine. Exactly. For, uh, yeah, just see if I'm still like, years See if I got that on my phone. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, well, I guess, though, the big question heading into this French Open is, is Novak Djokovic going to win it and complete his career Grand Slam? Because, yeah, when we last recorded one of these things, as we say, it was January 2013, Murray hadn't even won Wimbledon yet, uh, but he had just won the US Open it was only six months since Federer had won his last slam. Nadal was on his way back from injury. And, you know, there was this, there's a real sense, and we talked a lot about, oh, the big four, and isn't it brilliant that there is this big four in tennis? It's so exciting. Recently, I think it would be fair to say that the big four has become the big one uh, because Djokovic has been pretty much unstoppable. But he hasn't yet won the French Open. Is he going to do it this year? And if he does, what does that mean in terms of his place in the history of men's tennis? The second part of the question, what what it means is that he will go down in history alongside those other people who did the career slam. That I know that's not. It doesn't sound like you're saying enough. It's not that catchy, There's, is there's it? probably five people. Are there about five? Like Agassi did it. Federer's done it. Nadal's done it. And I suppose Lever. Lever. Might be yeah. One or two others. And that is phenomenal. But but that, Djokovic. Uh, you know, there's every possibility that he can do a lot more than that as well. But it's still. It's. Uh, I know that when when Federer what finally won the French, I think that was like the most sort of emotional Grand Slam win. I think he said that. I think partly because of that historical historical aspect. But I think Djokovic will feel the pressure. You know, like Serena at the U.S. You know, she people did play some quite inspired matches. You know, and and she came close to losing it before that. But I think she definitely felt the pressure of of history of what she was about to achieve. And again, it's it's amazing when someone just plays an impossibly high level of tennis for so long, but it's not at all inconceivable that Djokovic could slip up against someone just having, you know, having a Vavrinka of a day. Mm, well, which is what happened <laughs> last year. A yeah. Vavrinka had a Vavrinka of a yeah. day. Yeah. Um, well, but the back final. then it wasn't a Vavrinka of a day because he <laughs> hadn't had it yet. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, someone else could come along and have the same sort of thing. <laughs> And like you say, maybe the the pressure because for Djokovic, like he must really, really want this, which mm. probably undersells it a little bit. But like you know, if we talk about it in terms of what does it mean, you know, people are already talking about Djokovic as being certainly in the conversation for being the, best the goat, yeah. uh, the, the the greatest of all time. But if he doesn't win the French Open at some stage, then it would be hard, it, it's harder to make that case, isn't it? Yeah. So, 
it, it's a, it's a hard it's hard to imagine that he won't win it at some point. But he's not gonna always like he doesn't always play as well. You know, you saw him play Simon in the Aussie Open, and he hit 108 errors or something, um, and he won. Yeah, in five sets because he's found this. He's just got an extraordinary ability to lift his game and win those matches to somehow get through them. And sometimes it's quite strange watching him. Sometimes you know, the other day he played Bellucci and he lost the first set six love. But I'm sure that round the world bookies would still have had him as you mm. know heavy favorite to win. Possibly quite comfortably in three after that, because they're just sort of waiting for it to him to kick in. But it's again this thing of fine lines. So it only has to take an inspired performance from someone else, and Djokovic just be slightly off, which is kind of what happened against Murray in the last tournament in Rome. In Rome, Tony's been looking at his computer screen for about ten minutes yeah. now. Are you just playing football manager? Yeah, I just work out what's going on. That's a new version of my diary together. Actually, uh, yeah, and I was just trying. I, I was just thinking about your comment there that. You know, looking back to Federer winning in uh, winning in in Paris, 2009. 2009, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if Djokovic doesn't win the career Grand Slam, I don't think you can really pin it too much. You know, I don't think that would be a huge uh, sort of point against him in terms of the conversation of how where he fits into mm. to the greatest of all time, just because of you know the present. You know, I think Federer was slightly fortunate, perhaps, to win that win the French Open when he did. Well, he was fortunate in the sense that someone else beat Nadal. Well, exactly. Like he he yeah. didn't have to beat you know, Nadal. It's strange, though, isn't it? Because even now, I'm trying to think. Like, Djokovic has been in... He's, what, now been in three French finals? Is it three? Or at least two. I mean, he lost to Nadal in one final and obviously lost to Vavrinka. And Federer, that's what's strange. It's that classic... I mean, people always bring this up about, you know, oh, how many titles would so-and-so have if, like, his rival hadn't been there? But, like, Federer, Federer's record on clay is unbelievable like he he made the final every year he was always there and yes it wasn't as like spectacular if he'd beaten Nadal in a final that would have been the ultimate but but Soderling so yeah I mean, uh, did the job for him and then and then he got there but I think in a way it's, it's it's actually kind of a good comparison though because I think when Federer got the French that was to beat Sam Press's uh total number of Grand Slams as well so he did that combined with the with winning the, the fourth one. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Mm. Um, so for Djokovic as well, he's getting ever closer to to uh, to Nadal and Federer and and to get the career slam. Like you say, I think he's on his way. I, I think he will do it. I mean, Federer, just you know, looking back, Federer has lost four French Opens to Nadal yeah. in the final. Uh, one in the semi, I think. Yeah, the first time. Certainly so, yeah. four finals yeah. anyway. Certainly, yeah. uh, you know, I guess Djokovic against Vavrinka. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a similar opportunity, I guess, in a way to yeah. to Federer Sodling, wasn't it? But you know, I guess you know Vavrinka's no slouch, so yeah. you can't really knock him. Well, he did a Vavrinka. He, did, yeah. he certainly did. He did that day. We don't want to entirely talk about the the goat debate, I guess. But something that I find interesting is that I will concede on air that in being being a being a I'm a I'm a great Federer fan, obviously. But in terms of level of tennis, I think it's it's become impossible not to say that Djokovic has reached a level in certain matches or in certain times, which I don't think has ever been seen in tennis. Basically doing everything perfectly. I get frustrated because he perhaps doesn't have the variety or the range of shots. But in terms of doing all the simple things well, his, like his returning, his depth... Like, the match against Federer in the Australian Open, the first two sets, I mean, Federer's playing incredibly well. And, you know, Djokovic, I think it was 6-1, 6-1. 
two sets. Like how how can you play that? that yeah, Federer level? looked slightly gobsmacked. In yeah, that, you know, he, he was, and and he, he said in the interview after, it's like you know, it's, he had to get into it at some stage. And you, you feel it's like damage limitation, but then but then you think take that to an extreme level, and I know this sounds it sounds like a joke, but like Dustin Brown when he is on his like purple patch form, literally for a set, is virtually unplayable. Like he goes through like a set where he seems like he could be like the best player ever, but it's totally un, uh, you know, it's, it, it, he can't continue. Unsustainable, he can't yeah. Monfils would be So what's strange similar. is that even if, if Djokovic stopped playing tennis tomorrow, he'll have played at a level that I don't think anyone's ever played and, and quite sustained. But again, then he doesn't have like all the records, that sort of thing. So it's And he's playing, presumably, you know, I guess it's something that's true of every sport in that to a certain extent, the people... You know, most of the people playing tennis and most sports or competing in most sports are better than the people that came before them. Uh, you know, because of just the professionalism, the physicality, the fitness, the the, the analysis, and everything. So uh, yeah, you know, if you put Djokovic on a court with, yeah, you know, I don't know, say Rod Laver, I mean, it would yeah, be, or, he wouldn't win. Well, he wouldn't win more than a few points. Even going, yeah, going back to like, yeah. like Curtin or someone like that, you'd, yeah. you'd imagine he'd blow yeah. blow him off the court in it. In, yeah. But it's not a fair comparison, though. If you brought Curtin to today, you'd say, "Yeah." So it does. That, but, I'm, yeah. but I'm just saying that you know, when you say that it's the best level, it is, isn't it? But also, I wonder, and you might say that I'm wrong about this, mm. but I wonder whether is it partly as well that people don't have the memory, the the length of memory to remember the level that people played at before, like Federer in. 2006. Okay, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't up against the the level of opponent that he would be now, or that Djokovic is now. But actually, like the tennis that he was playing then was just astonishing. Yeah. Um, and because Federer is now not playing at that level, some would say maybe he is. Maybe he's even better. But yeah. you could say because he's later on in his career. Well, he's, he's not physically it. better back then. And and the interesting thing is is that he was that dominant, but. If you transport someone playing as well as Djokovic is now, or whatever, back to how Federer was playing then, with the fitness he had, the form he had, then that's an interesting talk as well. Because because Federer back then was faster, you know, mm. was playing with a bit more flair and stuff. I, I saw an analysis actually, which was between Djokovic's 2014 and uh, Federer's 2006, and it was really in depth, and it and it was, you know, it was there was a, a hair's hair's width between the two I'm not sure who he ended up giving giving the sort of best year ever to but it was you know in terms of number of titles number of match wins total dominance over the top 10 just staggering uh, feats but what Tone said a minute ago it does bring up a really interesting a really interesting aspect which I th- was thinking about recently which is that most of these things just are a progression in terms of the standard getting better and better technology fitness you know <clears throat> science everything but no one can convince me that if this current big four, for example, all decide to retire, there's absolutely no way that, that the level of tennis, certainly for quite some time, will reach the heights that like Djokovic has been playing or Federer has been playing. That's what's interesting because it's like the it's a bit like the hundred meter thing. Like you reach a state where it's like, can it get? Yeah, can, know, it, can it ever be eight and a half seconds? You're not telling yeah. me that Raonic will suddenly, like, never miss, essentially, which is what Djokovic does in... It's a funny thought, because, for example, for a very young person starting out on the pro tour, I'm kind of half-joking, but it's almost better for them to, to like, wait out for 
Djokovic and people to retire. I mean, it's like the thing of Murray. They're like, oh, you know, Murray's done well lately, but he hasn't won a slam. It's like, well, how do you win a slam with with Djokovic playing mm. playing this well? So the, I think the the level of tennis potentially will go down when this current group uh, are not playing. Well, you'd have to think it will, but then so many things are unforeseeable, though, aren't they? I mean, no one would have foreseen in 2010 that Djokovic was going to no. become the player he is now. So, so like, you know, at, th- at that point, we would have been saying, oh, once Federer and Nadal retire, then, th- then the level's definitely going to go down. But then, obviously, Djokovic has taken it on even yeah. higher. So you never know. Someone might, you know, maybe a, maybe a Kyrgios... Bayfield. <laughs> You've touched on it there a bit, Patrick. Like, what's your feeling about not just the level that Djokovic plays at, but the way he plays the game? Because I, th- I think like there are definitely people who are being switched off by the way Djokovic plays, or not necessarily by the way he plays, but just by it's partly because the, his dominance is so dominant that. <laughs> It's maybe becoming a little less interesting. Actually, when Murray beat him the other day and he had that tough match against Nishikuri in Rome as well, that was suddenly a much more interesting tournament, wasn't it? But there have been a lot of tournaments where it's just a sort of inevitability about it. That was not the case when the big four were all beating each other and it was quite unpredictable who was actually going to win in the end. What do you think about that and, and the, the way that he plays? I've never thought that dominance itself is boring. I think it depends entirely on how, how the game's being played. The level Djokovic is playing is no one can say that it isn't extraordinarily impressive. There are a couple of factors, one of which is that tennis has changed in the last sort of 15, 20 years, but changes all the time in terms of how the courts play. And so they do they do graphics even, you know, at Wimbledon you sometimes see it like this is the this is basically the exact same serve in, you know, ninety-three and then two thousand and thirteen. One of them's bouncing like twice as high as the other one and not coming through as quickly. What they've done is basically slowed down virtually all the hard courts. They've slowed down the grass, the grass sort of longer, which means it plays almost like a kind of... Occasionally it plays, it seems to play almost like clay, but but it means that it rewards a certain style of tennis, which is kind of not missing. So why, why have they solid. done, why are they slowed down the courts? I think it's serve a de- and volley was too... I think it's a decision... Well, the other extreme was that I remember Sampras played Ivan Isovic in one final and like the average point was sort of two shots and it's just serving and no one liked that either mm. so it's trying to get that balance but I think it's a shame if you've got a sport one of the unique things about tennis is you've got it's crazy how different surfaces are like the Davis Cup finals indoor clay that's again really different it's like really slippery it's faster than outdoor clay but plays differently and then you've got grass hard everything so to make them all too similar I think is sad in a way but Djokovic uh, you know he's the ultimate player for for the conditions that they have. There's a point about sort of monotony, or I don't, it's not the dominance at all. If he, if he continues to dominate, I don't, I, I've never found that. I mean, if, well, if, there's fe- really, if there's really no chance of someone beating him, but I mean, Murray beat him last week. Like, he's always... And tennis is... It's impossible. You can't have a Floyd Mayweather career, career in tennis. Like, you, you, you just can't go without losing. But my point to Baff the other day was, like, as a kind of thought experiment... In like the history of in the history of cricket, it's like going thing back of, to school or something. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. He did make me sit at a little desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing of, of like um, in like the history of cricket, the reputation that like Jeffrey Boycott had as a player. But if you imagine, what if at the end of his career he had amassed more runs than anyone ever, and he had stayed in, you know, like because he stayed in for so long, just playing defensively, like not going for anything, people would would be so grudging in. 
acknowledging that as being the best ever. But in statistics, it might be. Yeah, but greatness it, is also about who wants to watch. Mm. I think in any sport, people resent sort of grinders. Then. Yeah, yeah. You know, to a certain extent, you know, extremely successful grinders, like moderately successful grinders or grinders who do all right and occasionally have their day, you get a lot of respect. Oh, loads. David yeah, Ferrer. Limit, yeah, limited or well, relatively limited players. But yeah, people, I would not say Djokovic is a grinder, but as you say, he is that sort of, he's a, a relentless tennis player. And yeah, but I don't think people just simply don't enjoy that as much as... Yeah, yeah. so well, the comparison that I made to you, Patrick, going back to cricket is Jacques Callis. You know, the conversation about who's the, the greatest batsman of the modern era. Um, generally, people would say, well, it's between Lara and Tendulkar. But actually, Callis has got better statistics than either of them in most respects, not, not in all. There'd be very few people, though, who would say that Callis was a better batsman than Lara or Tendulkar because people would pay a lot more money to watch Lara and Tendulkar bat than they, they would to watch Callis bat. So... Clearly, there is now a debate about who is the greatest tennis player, Djokovic or Federer. But certainly for me, and I suspect for you and for a lot of people, you're always going to be inclined to say Federer just because like, the entertainment value is just much better to watch. So, something I've just uh, thought of as, as you're saying that. But no, it's exactly what you're saying, which is that if you think after careers have finished as well, what do you see when you when they do a kind of recap of someone? You see highlights, mm. and you cannot tell me that, however extraordinary Djokovic is, that he has a longer highlight reel than Federer. The best bits, his in big terms brother, of like bits. shot making, you know, get the crowd being that into it, the support, that sort of thing, and that might be entirely unfair because I think Djokovic does get a really harsh time you know, like the US Open last year, it was just all Federer than the crowd in America. And he was kind of, you know, even during points or almost to the point of, you know, Djokovic double faults or something like that. Yeah, no one wanted him to win. He doesn't do anything wrong. So it's... it's um, On a personal basis, though, it's really impressive from him that he doesn't sort of, you know, he just takes in his stride and he, he's that's unbelievable, of, he accepts yeah. the fact that, you know, he's not, you know, when he's playing Federer, Federer is going to be the crowd favourite. Yeah. Uh, and that's that, I think that's a, a point for him. Well, he's actually he's a really likable guy yeah. Like, yeah. off the court, I think. Is it the thing that people also like to watch? You know, it's like you say about if you know he's going to win, you actually know he's going to win, then it becomes less interesting. But it's the same thing as like if you know he's going to make the shot, you know what I mean? Mm. So if like Vavrinka goes for just an all-out, like 10 feet behind the baseline, backhand down the line, screaming shot, it's just every possibility it's not going to work out so there's excitement whereas Djokovic like runs back and like, he's, like extraordinarily flexible will just hit that ball like a foot from the baseline unbelievably impressive it's almost as impressive but the sort of inevitability of it mm. people like to see the kind of you know they like to think like oh no he's like don't shank that one on this point or he's like I'm he missed that one but I'm glad he went for it sort of thing yeah so he's sort of a victim of his own brilliance in a sense yeah it's almost like he's making the game look too easy. Yeah, he's it, it, sort of he's he's conquered the game almost. Yeah. Um, well, people say, oh, you know, it's, it starts to look like a video game. I say he's probably playing better than it looks on a video game. <laughs> better depth. Certainly, when I'm playing the video game. <laughs> yeah. Is that a problem for tennis then? That what? That, the the fact that Djokovic is he, the, his matches aren't that close. That his matches aren't that yeah. close, therefore maybe not that exciting. That he is he's almost too good and it, too good in a way that it, he is that slightly robotic. Um, or it's slightly robotic to watch. Like, is that is that a problem for tennis at the moment? When Nadal was dominant and when Nadal was world number one, most people would probably have thought that it couldn't last 
all that long, which it didn't, uh, partly based on how physically he played. The thing with Djokovic is that he's he seems to get skinnier and skinnier. He looks these days he looks like a cyclist, doesn't he? Like you know, compared to the other players. Um, it's funny his, being in here as well because his hair looks like a microphone. It looks exactly like a microphone, <laughs> although not blue. <laughs> no, you've got a blue one. I've got a red one. But Tony's got basically the same colour as the Djokovic so, model. Djokovic, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Such it's extraordinary a big hair. A look of his hair. <laughs> it is extraordinary microphone. hair. Yeah, it's sort of uh, It's so thick. It, it doesn't. I've never seen hair like it. It doesn't the, move. The, at I'd, all. I'd get. Yeah, I'd, I'd pay a little bit of money for his crown. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, Nadal, Rafa, definitely thinning. Really, definitely thinning. I could show you photos you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so like I know also I don't think he's got the face for a for a shaved head. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking anyway, news. Yeah. Um, you can see why the journalists all come yeah, to the yeah, 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 tennis coverage. The, 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 well the thing is the, the journalism is, like, is actually what quite a lot of them will talk about as well. <laughs> what were you what were we just saying before I said I can't that? Remember. I can't remember. Um it was about oh sorry. I was saying that Rafa, when he was dominant, you kind of thought that it can't last because of the physicality, and that and that proved to be true. With Djokovic, it's more that it just it's difficult to believe that he can maintain a level as high as he's reached. And I think that's what, well, certainly what other players hope hmm. is that it just you know he can't he'll have dips in form, and if those come at the right moments for other players, then it w- we will look at a situation where there are different Grand Slam winners. But physically and stuff, I mean, he doesn't look. I mean. Certainly, he's got quite a few more years where you know he'll be in perfect shape, and he's also probably regarded by almost everyone as being the most sort of professional of any player. Like his routines, his he's in, he's impossibly dedicated and about every single aspect. So it's it's not like sort of you know Rios or Safin or something back in the day where it's like a, like a phenomenal player, but doesn't have the professionalism. That's something that's probably. Something which Djokovic is already like the the greatest ever, and certainly when you compare it to history, like they didn't used to be that professional. As <laughs> when, you, when you look at the, the ages, though, with well, Djokovic twenty eight, Murray twenty nine, Federer thirty four, you know, Nadal twenty nine, I think. Ojo twenty eight. Got a bit of time, but uh, but yeah, Federer hasn't won a Grand Slam for four years, has he? So yeah, uh, you know, there's nothing to say that Djokovic is the same. Obviously, he's not the same player as Federer, but. Yeah, it's not going to... It's sooner rather than yeah, later, isn't point. it, where these yeah. four... Well, Federer, you'd say, is gone now. He's written off now that he's, <laughs> now that he's missed the Grand Slam. But, but on a serious, in a serious note, yeah, all four of those are going to be well past their best in the next sort of two to three years. You would think, although, as Patrick says, like the sort of fitness regime is and Djokovic's fitness regime in particular is so good. Federer's, you know, still going strong at 34. If Djokovic is still going strong at 34... Well, he's going you know, strong, he's... but he's not winning Grand Slams, is he? No, but no one is. As in, he, no, he's still making finals, isn't he? Mm. And he's still the, lo- the head-to-head of Federer-Murray. Murray hasn't won a set off Federer in about 11 sets. But as I say, like, it, it's not... It's surely not inconceivable that some, you know, that someone else will come yeah. out of nowhere, or that Djokovic's level will suddenly yeah. disappear or get injured or something. I mean, you know, it, it is very easy to sort of sit here and say, "Well, he's you know he's just going to be unstoppable for forever, basically." But things do change, and yeah, over the last three years, things have changed a lot. But that being said, um, do you think it's inevitable that he'll go past? The Federer mark? No, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's inevitable. inevitable. Do you think it's not, likely yeah, inevit- that he will? Uh, 
Well, if you think he's got no, 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 he's got eleven. Eleven. So he's got eleven. He only needs seven more. I know that's a lot, but like two a year. Just think of two a year. He's, like, he's only twenty-nine. That's assuming he doesn't win anymore. But I mean, Djokovic has won five of the last seven. The rate he's going. and he definitely has his eye on it. Like they'll ask him about it, and it's obviously it gets a bit awkward if you're always asked about that sort of thing. But he he'd be mad not to in a way. Like why is it? It's not completely unrealistic for him to think about that. It's all, but it, 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 yeah, obviously, for, for me to think about it is quite unrealistic. You but, mean for you yourself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just I mean just. Put yourself in that. <laughs> I would say the lower chance than. <laughs> but I think inevitable is definitely too strong. Yeah, to, but put yourself in. You know, no matter how good you are, put yourself in the shoes and think. Uh, you know, to surpass that, he, yeah, he needs seven Grand Slams, which is, you know, if he wins every single one, a year and three quarters in in tennis terms. Yeah. Of winning every game at a Grand Slam. I mean, that's like. Yeah, the, it's the craziness. Level, it's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you just need. I mean. We always come back to the same thing of there are so many matches like that. Even the Simon one, there was one against Anderson. Was that at Wimbledon? Like two sets to love down. Just one more game of playing badly. Or I think with Anderson at Wimbledon, Djokovic last year, who's two points away from losing. Just that change, like that bit. And then and then it's a different conversation. Then, then well, you'd think Federer would have won Wimbledon. <laughs> Those will happen. Like they certainly, in quite, to a quite a brutal degree, happened to Rafa early on in slams. You know, Rafa, a few years ago, you'd think, oh, I'll never go out in the early rounds. And then fast forward a few years, Russell, Kyrgios, Dustin Brown, all take apart Nadal on on, uh, on grass. Well, this is some of the best tennis matches I've watched yeah, in unbelievable. the last few years. Yeah. See, that's what, that's what people want to see, though, isn't it? And that's what... So with Rafa's case, you'd th- you know, you're like, okay, this is totally unlikely, but amazing. Like, when you see Dustin Brown and, like, Kyrgios and... Russell. I mean, Russell was the pick of them for it just oh yeah that was amazing yeah, yeah yeah although apparently extraordinarily disliked guy <laughs> yeah, no, yeah there's a clip of Murray playing against him in like uh, in one tournament and Russell purposefully knocked into Murray at the change of ends like barged past him and then he Russell was doing bits and pieces you know just getting on Murray's nerves and at one point Murray just looked up and it's you know it's on YouTube he just says loudly he just says no one likes you on the tour. This is why you have no friends on the tour. No one likes you. It's really brutal. Be delighted to say that Lucas joins us now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Blind Date or Jeremy Kyle. Nadal's doing better, isn't he? He's been playing well on clay this season. Yeah, he's um, as has Murray. Like, how good is Murray on clay now? His Murray. game is great for clay, and he's he's so strong. We grew up playing for, on yeah. it, didn't he? Yeah. He just has the confidence now. This is his best clay season. Murray is a is a, such a contender for for Roland Garros, and and that's that, that's really sticking your neck out there, <laughs> picking the world number two as a contender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but except world number two. But he's been world number two before. But you wouldn't have thought of him mm. as a contender. That's true, Roland Garros. But isn't that an amazing thought? Like if Murray could get the French, and he just just beaten Djokovic on clay, he's beaten Nadal on clay. It's just the Australian left for Murray to do the career slam, and he's been in the Australian Open final four times. So that is a good argument for Murray to be included in, because there's debate as to whether he's sort of a real part of, if they call it a big four. The other day, I think Murray turned 29 and they made a bit of a thing about it on the BBC Sports or live text and stuff. And it just made me think about all the absolute dirge that was talked about Murray oh, yeah. when he was like 17, 18, 19, yeah. saying that he was like physically, you know, is it? Uh, yeah. It's just like, 
is it, is it a British thing? Like as in a bit, like a media a British media thing of like, here's our prospect. Let's run him down. Yeah. And see if he can like pay enough attention to the press that he'll get demoralised and won't make it. Like what other reason? In mo- in a lot of other countries, they'd, it'd be the opposite. Like t- like sometimes negatively as well. So like Gasquet, they were pretty much ready to knight him when he was about like, fifteen years old because he was so unbelievably good as a junior. But then he didn't quite do it. With, with Murray, it's like no, but what's, quite what's quite peculiar is that I think that is normally what happens in Britain. Is that sportsmen get built up hugely? Like footballers it happens all the time. You know, they, like uh, Jack Rodwell has a good game for the England under twenty ones, and he's already and immediately, you know, people are talking about him as you know potential sort of World Cup winner for England. Could be unique to tennis then, because with Henman, it was always like it's just a nonsense perception of like our Tim. Oh, he'll never do it. Like, yeah, you know, it's just yeah. kind of bizarre, really unfair. There's still, there's still a lot of people who think Henman, Henman was, was useless. Yeah. yeah, like genuinely think he was sort of like oh, he was quite a good tennis player. It's like top ten for like eight yeah, years. Yeah, I mean that people that yeah that think Henman is a sort Just of wimp and useless it, should they need to be like gathered they should have to sort of be gathered in and le- <laughs> in the same way that when you like do you speeding or whatever or drink driving that you have to have like an education you know re-education about it there should be some sort of official government scheme yeah, true, where people actually. who like if you just slate Henman yeah. and you're immediately summoned to do yeah. courses and just yeah. watch Henman matches yeah switch Henman's career to it's a bit of an odd one but like imagine that's like the England football team so it's like never oh, you're not winning the World Cup but you're always in like the final or the semi and you're just like constantly excellent for for years like people would no, I suppose it'd be the same way they'd be like ah oh, can't quite do it but yeah, you got have a bit more bit more appreciation but do you think with Murray it was just it was more a personality thing and not necessarily his actual personality but the personality that sort of came through in the media people saw him as a bit kind of sour and a bit dour and you know <sighs> yeah and... I mean he, he was a little bit of that in a way but that's no no reason not to encourage him I think as a sort of you know a, yeah. If, if he's your nation's best hope in, in a sport, also, yeah, no, he was never like unpleasant. No. He wasn't. He wasn't ever like doing anything bad. He's sort off of the late, scene you know, or kind of, kind of like. Oh, he's joined us. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he's any words. Is it's it great. Billy Connolly? Is it? <laughs> oh, he's a great player. Oh, you know, not actually not uh, bad. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's like yeah. a four out of ten. The sort of uh, <laughs> conditions were hard. You know, he's a great player. So I have to yeah. put up with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but it also. And Ian McKellen's here as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're now joined by Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee, Alan from Rickman. a very early age. Great player. <laughs> from very early on, though, you could tell he was going to be a brilliant player. You know what he did in those sort of, particularly at Wimbledon, those first few. We had that unbelievable match, and you know that that point where he sort of. Ended up standing on the hoardings, sort of. Oh, yeah, it was like against Nalbandian. Yeah. But, you know, what was there to dislike at that point? I don't yeah. know. Anyway, that's my own personal rant over. So. He has also become more likeable over the years. Or, he, or he's. Yeah. I'd heard that, funnily enough, Henman basically made a decision early on in his career. And if you remember, like, he was once disqualified from Wimbledon and stuff. But he, I think he used to say stuff to the press. And, you know, once or twice. They, you know, made something of it or like got it the wrong way around. So, and he basically made a decision to be as boring as possible. Because <laughs> most people who know Henman say he's actually really funny and interesting, like nice guy, but he just decided to give them nothing. And he definitely, I know this part's true, that he like coached Murray in terms of like how to deal with the press. So it's quite possible that, that that's like just give them nothing and then you won't have like crap to deal with all the time. I mean, how easy is it now? You know, you say something which has. 
Oh, just, an yeah, utter try, glimmer yeah. of like possible sexism or something, and you know, you never hear the end of it. Or yeah, it's political correctness gone mad, isn't it? Yeah, in this day and age, yeah. health and safety gone mad. <laughs> it's health and mad. safety gone absolutely bizarre. And I don't know; it's completely unjustified because they still let women play the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, speaking of the women, Serena back is back she from the injury? force? She once was. She I think play, she probably is. Played. <laughs> right, move on. <laughs> Pack the men. <laughs> she, she played really well the other day, didn't she, in that uh, steamroller that, that tournament that she came back in. Probably hard to look past her for this this French Open as well. Be interesting uh, yeah. to see how Heather Watson gets on. We're, we're big Heather Watson fans, of course, being, being, well, we're, as we say on the World Cricket Show, we're based in Guernsey for tax reasons. Um <laughs> And so we've sort of adopted yeah. the uh, sports teams and the, the the local heroes, and Heather Watson <laughs> is one of those. You got sort of from Guernsey, Heather Watson, Matt Letizier, Kerr and Bayfield. That's basically yeah. that's the list, isn't it? Yeah. I think a huge thing for her, for someone who just has such a an amazing love of the game. And I know you'd think surely all the professionals love what they do, but they don't seem to. Like they don't seem to enjoy it that much. But I think Heather just loves what she does, and so it's just uh, be wonderful for her to be in the Olympics. I think that's a huge thing for for this year. So to get the ranking in a position where she's guaranteed Yeah, I think play. she needs to be something like top 56 or something. like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think and, she's and, about 50, 54, 56 now, yeah. so she's, yeah. And she's said about the how amazing the Olympics is and that atmosphere, you know, it's what everyone wants to be involved in. And even though for tennis it's not quite as as huge a thing as as, as for some sports, like just being around all the other athletes and stuff, I think. It seemed moment. like it was get, becoming a bigger thing at at London. Well, maybe that was just because it was London and, you know, for us, maybe it was a, an even bigger Olympics than it normally is and, and Andy Murray won it and stuff. But it did seem like the tennis was more of a big deal than it has been in the past. Yeah, I, I, yeah. without wishing to name drop, I was talking to Julie Murray the other day uh, and she was saying... Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat. But uh, she's, she's basically saying that she thinks Heather's in as good a place as she's been in the time that she's known her. Yeah, I think physically she's fitter than than ever. Uh, yeah, uh, her best level is 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 amazing. Like winning the third set six love the other day against Irani was it? Well, when she played Serena um, at Wimbledon. Yeah, well, year. yeah, unbelievable. I mean, Heather Watson is also is almost like the the WTA in microcosm, though, isn't she? In terms of the just yeah, you know, she can play out of her skin one day and then she'll slip up against yeah I mean, someone you'd think on paper that she should beat yeah, yeah. steadily. Just very simply, in terms of the men's and women's game, it's partly to do with the serve as well. I mean, in terms of, like, within one match. So you get scores of, you know, 1-6-6-1, which you don't get so much in men's because it's, you know, it's a bit easier to potentially to break. And so that also makes it a bit more unpredictable. But, yeah, so we'll be uh, really interested to see how she gets on in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, Tone, you've got the figures there. What... Round did she make last year in the She's French? She's been to the second round four times, and was she the second not, round not last year? Yeah, yeah, not beyond the not beyond the second round. It's a strange thing in tennis, isn't it? Though this thing of defending points, because sometimes you, you you look ahead and you're like defending ranking points. Yeah, defending ranking points. So you look ahead and you're like, oh, this is good because I did terribly in this tournament <laughs> last year. But it's true. Like mm. you have an opportunity to no, where no you thing. think any good result here was a bonus. It's like especially if, if you miss a couple through injury. It's like it must be strange. It's the kind of excitement to like, right? I can, I can make up ranking points here, this sort of thing. But also, yes, I was terrible yeah, last year. But also the 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 opposite as well. Imagine it's like the pressure of yeah. well, last year. I mean, semis had an unbelievable run. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. At the tail end of last year, obviously Conta was so good, and you thought, 
you know, okay, the first half of the year she had an opportunity, but then yeah. you thought, well, you know, if she does tail away a bit again, yeah. then it's going to be so hard to defend. And then she went to the semis of the Australians. So. Not a British player, but but what's happened to uh, Eugenie Bouchard, the mighty Bouch? <laughs> Just, uh, you get into slightly dangerous territory here, but I think she, she lost quite a bit of weight and was doing more modelling and things like that. Do you remember at one stage as well, Serena more or less took a year out because she was sort of doing other things, sort of modelling and doing stuff to do with fashion and stuff. Maybe Eugenie Bouchard, like her focus was slightly being a bit elsewhere or lost kind of... What, what, what do you think? Because, I mean, she... Well, was Wimbledon the thing finalist. she had sort of concussion or some sort of head injury yeah. that she had suffered in the dressing room? Yeah. Uh, which seemed to yeah. sort of take her out of action for quite a while. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was more serious than it sort of it sounded. Or maybe yeah, in terms of confidence or something. But um, who else out of the top top female? Well, Azar- Azarenka's Azar- come back strong yeah. this year, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Do you like watching her play? I mean, yeah. her, her game. Yeah, she's she's, she's one of the away. ones where you where you feel like it's a genuine challenge to Williams as well, isn't it? We haven't talked about Sharapova, and I I feel like we don't want to get too far into it because. We'll yeah. be here all night because we've still got lots of other things to talk about. But but yeah, obviously that's a you know one of the biggest stories on the the tour this year is her ban, a drugs ban. Uh, the Russian Tennis Federation president said today that he thinks she won't come back. That he thinks she's made up her mind that she's not going to come Didn't back. I think he then apologised, or okay. someone, yeah, someone, someone did. I saw actually an article today which had it was like thirty one pros, although not named, like anonymous pros giving opinions about various questions to do with tennis but one of them was have you thought in the past that an opponent you played has been on has been on performance enhancing drugs or or how likely do you think it is and i think it's something like 23 percent said that they were pretty sure that you know that that goes on which is you know it's a bit of a vague it's a vague poll and it's a vague thing but djokovic got into a bit of hot water recently probably unfairly because he basically said you know we're tested all the time or, or even though sometimes they say they're not they're not tested enough but he was basically saying you know we're not we don't get a negative test and until you get a negative test such and such but he got he got called up on that because of the lance armstrong thing where it's basically mm-hmm. it's no longer the case that you can just say yeah but there hasn't been a failed test or something it's a difficult one, though, isn't it? Because you can't sort of, you equally can't say. Yeah, that, I don't believe the test. I don't like, believe the test. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, it, it, it's not conclusive proof that there isn't doping going on, but. It tends to be very vague, isn't it? It's not like, oh, yeah, one tournament he turned up and he had like bulging muscles and veins sticking out. It's, it's, mm. it's just the. Mm. You know, was... Murray said something, didn't he? And I, and, and I think it was slightly contentious, and I think maybe Djokovic felt that he was partly directing it at him, where Murray said that there have been times in his career where he's played someone who's seemed like they were flagging in a match and has come back, you know, 20 minutes later and they seem fresh as a daisy. And he said something like, when things like that happen or happen several times with your opponents, then you 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 think something might be going on. It was It was pretty vague, but there are weird... I remember, you know, Nadal, 2009, when he played Vadasco sort of six hours in a semi-final. I'd like a day and a half later, played Federer, five sets, kind of outlasted Federer in the final. It's either just that it's just unbelievable physical achievement, which hopefully it is, but it's just sort of, it, it by definition, it's hard to believe. Mm. Like it's hard to it's hard to accept someone being that fit, but but hopefully that's the case. And there are so many grey areas, gray areas, and you know, 
whether people, you know, in those circumstances where people come back and seem fresh, whether you know, mentally they just switch off for a bit and it's largely a physical thing, yeah. you know, suddenly they're back, they're sort of sharp again and they can yeah. they can go. I mean, I, I think, you know, the can of worms is, is still full to the brim, I think, isn't it, in the, in the world of drugs and sport? Yeah. Speaking of cans of worms, I'm just going to get into another contentious issue, a contentious issue between you and me, Patrick. Oh, there we go. Oh, we <laughs> so, haven't even got them to the rackets yet. Yeah, so that's a big one. Feel put upon. Something that we... Yeah. Me and Bayford are just going to attack you now. We've both, me and Tony have both brought lists of things. Yeah. We've been we, waiting for this. Yeah, it's like, three it's years. Like three. Your haircut, your <laughs> tardiness. So uh, point number one uh, is the warm-up in the warm tennis. Up. We've disagreed about this before. My feeling, and I know this yeah. is this is this doesn't necessarily belong in a French Open preview. It's a more yeah. more general thing, uh, but it's just going to watch tennis live recently, which I have done a few times recently. I've been to the O2, um, the World Tour Finals, the last three years, and that was where it really came home to me that I think they need to get rid of the warm up in tennis. Okay. That, so that when the players come out and they you know they're, they're introduced to the crowd and then they do that kind of. Is it, what is it, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 five, minutes? Five minutes? 5 minutes, where they just knock up and get yeah. loose. Now, I think they should get rid of that because it really detracts from the moment that certainly at the O2, they come out and there's that music playing and the crowd are on their feet and going mad. Yeah. And then they just suddenly start knocking it up and everyone just starts looking at their phones for five <laughs> minutes and it really kind of sucks their energy out of that moment. And uh. in, the, in the Grand Slam Finals as well, it's this huge event uh, think, everyone's really yeah. pumped up for and then it just goes flat for five minutes and then they go right let's play i don't yeah but okay a few a few things with it one is that i think still you t you look at like federer nadal 2008 or whatever when they still like when nadal or whoever it is like bouncing that ball ready to hit the first point it's still kind of like right here we are i don't think you know because you think of boxing it's the same boxers they get announced they don't go straight into the fight. Like they, they, they have all the the music, all the stuff. They come to the ring. People are pumped, and then there's a load of faff. There's like the referee talking stuff. There's like people in the ring. They're kind of all the they go through almost like the rules, all the stuff. Like that's. I think I, it does happen in quite a few things, and there are a couple of other things. One is one of which is to do that. You would definitely, you would definitely. One of the results would be that the level of play at the start's worse. There's absolutely no doubt. And tied in with that, and this is one of the main problems, if that was the case, is that tennis is quite unique in terms of players have no idea when they're going to play. So that's very tricky to work out, like, how do you warm up at all then before a match? Because, you know, it's not like with a football kickoff, or whatever, you've got the times. Tennis, it's, and someone brought this up recently, I don't know if it might have been Djokovic or one, it was one of the top players saying it's quite a weird sport they're involved in where you don't know, like coming into the start of a tournament, like what time you'll be playing on such and such. You could be third match on, you know, it could rain, it could, um, there could be like an Isna Mahu match or whatever, or like some really, really long match. So, so you don't know when to, when to do this stuff. So to not have the, the, the five minutes, because a lot of people say, which is true as well, that the five minutes, that's not like them being like, right, oh, I need to work on a few things. That's what they do in training. It is literally just to like get the body get going. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a tough one. I do, I, I concede the point that 
if it was like uh, you know another great sport WWE, then it's like you know you hear the glass break, Stone Cold <laughs> comes out. But imagine if Stone Cold came out and then started stretching, yeah. <laughs> like they would just kill it. Yeah, or like well, doing <laughs> doing like. You know, Actually, doing like squat thrusts or something TV, but for five minutes. You know, generally, you know, it's not it's a bigger question as well as whether sport is the sport or is it about the, the audience at the home viewing. or the audience. Yeah, you know, what? Mm. You know, one couldn't really exist without the other. From a TV viewer perspective, I really like the warm up because I like the bit where they run through. They got the player and hopping like up, that. and I like the stat. You know, the, how did they get to the final? Two know, against the one, maybe. Yeah, but they, <laughs> I like that. And you got, I you was know. about to say this has been a much more civilized discussion <laughs> than the last time we talked about this. The good thing about radio is you can't see me flipping them off. Who's <laughs> just making obscene gestures at me? Flipping the bird. Um, no, but they. Well, <laughs> I love it. I love no, it. Your, your thing of like I like they, today at Wimbledon on the roof. Your Bring thing that, where mate. they, yeah, the profile of the players they could just do that before they don't have to no, do that they've got the players the knocking up yeah. in the background yeah and it goes yeah. and that thing comes up saying like <laughs> yeah. well number one you just have some archive footage of them knocking it, it wouldn't up, be the same live it's no, live I do I totally take the point that the murmur um, maybe the, the, the scheduling the, thing the, is very the, tough the, the scheduling is a problem a and the, the, the quality would suffer at the beginning but on the other hand it would be same for both players and actually it might even Add a new dimension to it, where it becomes well, which of the players gets going quicker? It's it's another dimension to the sport, yeah. and it's there aren't many. I take your point about boxing, but there aren't that many sports where you can just come out and have a little go before you start. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's a big part of sport, isn't it? Is who can quickly adjust to the pressure of the moment and get going? Yeah, and I mean, snooker. I, I, and Imagine I, snooker. It's just like just try a few trick shots. Just yeah. like, and I mean, it's yeah. it's it's far from the biggest problem in life yeah. or even tennis. Um, but I do just think it just frustrates me every time, particularly in finals. I just think this is this is just detracting slightly from what should be this I, I find fantastic. While moment. they're warming up and stuff, I'm already thinking like, you know, what, <laughs> like, what am I going to eat? Gonna, no, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like. Does the beef brisket go with the pork? No. no. Um, but wondering what's going to happen. Like, I, I find the tension builds. Um, yeah, and you get a look at them as well. You look, you get to see who's looking, who looks confident, who looks a bit nervous, who, you know, yeah. who's fluffing their lines. It, it's kind of... I don't I Also, like it. Yeah, maybe I like they it. should... Maybe to counter it, they could almost have more commentary in terms of how they're warming up. As in, like, Nadal's backhand's looking ropey yeah. and the... He looks a bit tight. Yeah, he looks a bit tight here. Looks, he's just he's just shanked three balls in the in in the in the warm up. My um, actually, my genuinely like sort of personal nightmare, like buried alive and stuff. But actually, like being sort of sent to warm up at, at Wimbledon in the <laughs> oh, final yeah. and like hit yeah. overheads. Like I just try, oh, try yeah. not try yeah. knock them back. I'd yeah. just be so bad at that. Really, it would be that's what your worst fear yeah. is. Yeah. Well, it's just... feeding overheads to Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Yeah. it would be so bad. Yeah. You've said before that that you're sort of comically bad with new tennis I think you said sure. frighteningly bad yeah. <laughs> like yeah, just anything can anything goes well the thing is I hit it so hard that I'm, yeah, I prefer an old ball because you know it allows me so to put all the face on and, and as do the spectators it. because <laughs> they're safe right let me take you up on, you know, on something here okay <laughs> he's pointing at me yeah uh, now I love tennis I love football go. I love a lot of sports you know but one of the things that annoys me in life is that and it, it annoys me that it annoys me. Yeah, it's when people no, it's when people sort of hit on footballers for being... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of footballers, or some footballers do stupid things. Unpleasant things happen in football, which I'm not defending all of them. But there is this sort of 
pervasive attitude of anti-football from a lot of people who don't like football, which is fine. But now, and it, the reason I was thinking about this because there was a clip of uh, Dimitrov from I think from a couple of weeks ago where he obviously isn't very happy with his own performance, smashes a racket in like screaming sort of howling banshee like smashes it like mm. on the ground then he goes to his bag gets another one out and smashes it and then i think he gets a third one out and smashes it and i, ju- I ju- what i just wonder is that is there a more why such a petulant act is is like brushed away in tennis and is just allowed to happen like someone um, you know a highly paid sportsman just smashing hundreds of pounds of equipment up yeah. in front of and everyone for the in anger. It tends to be a sort of amusing yeah. and, you know, amusing moment. I, I just wondered why they, it's I mean, never been clamped down on. They, why they, they don't get fined heavily. They, no, they it. do get a fine. But they should be like they, they should almost be chucked out of the, the, the tournament, I think. Um, just to stamp it out. You mean because it looks bad? Well, I just, I just think well. it's, it's sort of petulant. It's sort of... Yeah. But wait, well, you know. it's probably unfair, but you it's kind of how it's done. Like, people, people love Safin, right? But Safin was the worst at that. They say, um, I think this is correct. He broke 1,055 rackets in his career. But he only played about 600 matches. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, but for some reason, because of his sort of swagger and his... He's like, a, what, how, how can you do that and still be as loved as he was? And yet Djokovic never does anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, wanker. Like, it is weird, isn't so it? It's so boring. It's, like, like, it's like, the thing of like Federer coming out in his jacket at Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah. Federer, what a genius. Yeah, I know, yeah. But like, yeah. anyone else does that. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would not get the same reaction. But, okay, so I find it much more offensive Mayweather or someone just constant photos of just like yeah. look how much money I've got that sort of thing or, just, yeah. or or just all sorts of all sorts of other things in sport it doesn't it but having said that the Dimitrov example is a good one because the worst aspect of what he did there was that his opponent I think it was in a final wasn't it I think and it was so. Schwartzman Diego Schwartzman and he had played brilliantly and Dimitrov was having a bad day and was extremely frustrated and had been leading but what Dimitrov did, because he broke a racket and he, he basically said to the umpire before he did it, like, right, this is my last one, so I'm going to default default myself. But what it did was take away from Schwartzman. And I think, to give Dimitrov credit later on, he was like, he made a point of saying, like, how well Schwartzman had done. But it's a bit late, isn't it? Like, just just lose. Like, just just be beaten. You don't have to. That was a really poor thing. And, and Tomic the other day, I don't know if you saw that one. That was awful as well where he, like, match point uh, down and he just holds the racket by, like, the head of the racket and sort of walks towards the ball as the guy hits the... Yeah, I mean, Tomic has got serve. bigger problems, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean... Uh, I but, mean but, yeah, he feeds but so, those, are, those, but... Are, those are... But I, I do... They're probably still a bit notable by their rarity, I think. I mean, like, Nadal has never done it, ever. Um, uh, there's a story that he sort of did it when he was, like, 11 like dinged a racket or threw it at the back fence and his uncle said, you know, one more time, you don't play for six months or something like that. So it's like, that's the other end where it's... Yeah, and, and well, that's he, what and Tony wants. That's, that is that's what Tony sort of attitude, But Tony, yeah. Tony and Tony Nadal, similar perspective, because he said as well, it's just horribly spoiled. Like, there are loads of people who would just love to have that racket. Mm. So that aspect of it is 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 poor. Um, we should have said, I mean, we're referring to him as Tony. It is Tony Nadal that's with us. <laughs> I mean, if I, Can yeah. you do an impression of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tony Nadal? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I think yeah, there you know, was also I, Tony Kerr who said to Nadal that day, "If you ever do that again, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was Dimitrov's 
racket sponsor though, I'd be slightly annoyed. Yeah, uh, you know, he was sort of bat- you know just giving him a yeah. racket and he smashed it. You know, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good point that it, it you know it's not all that common. But, but uh, it does look awful. Where I would where I'd counter it is, can you imagine this scenario? Give footballers tennis rackets. <laughs> imagine what would happen after a challenge. Like because that's the thing. I when I'm playing, you know, it's unbelievably frustrating. You know, from playing as well. Like yeah. you and you're holding this thing. It's it's awful because you've got this object which is expensive and everything. And you just hope that in that moment you can at least. For example, it makes a difference if you've got a ball in your pocket because you can, like, twat the ball at the back fence and the ball, that doesn't matter. Mm. But with the racket, they break really easily mm. and there's genuinely the few feelings worse in my life than because I've never intentionally broken a racket. But all you have to do is kind of, like, kind of ding it on the ground, uh, even quite lightly, and it's just a bit of frustration and you just hear it go because it's unmistakable, the sound, you just hear it break. And you're just like, well... That's like 130 quid or whatever it is, and completely like nothing I can do about it. Mm. Um, but I guess all those players are breaking them on purpose. Djokovic breaks a few, doesn't he? Occasionally. Have you ever been playing someone and they've broken a racket? They, yeah. They smashed yeah, yeah, a racket. Yeah. yeah. Does that sort of give you confidence, or it, how, like do you sort of think that's brilliant? I've I've got him so frustrated. Um, not more so than if they're just sort of flung it at the back fence, or you know, or just like shouting and. But I think Djokovic said about it, he said, like, but sometimes it does, you know, it does feel good, like, in that moment. You know what it's like if you're that frustrated? I get frustrated, There's, there's an yeah. awful wish to kind of break something mm. or to, like, oh, explode definitely. something or to kind of punch something. Or There was Djokovic being a bit weird the other day, actually, because against Murray, he threw his racket down and it bounced on the court into the stands. And the umpire gave him a warning. He said something like, oh, yeah, good job showing everyone who's the boss or something to the umpire, which has really seemed quite unlike him. Because surely if you almost hit a spectator <laughs> with your racket, you can accept a warning. Imagine in some you know parallel universe, there was a version of Tim Henman who just smashed rackets like some Left, three right, a game. Just... Well, I watched the clip the other day of Henman hitting the ball girl, what he was disqualified for. Unfortunately, you don't see the contact. You just see... <laughs> you wanted to see that? <laughs> I wanted to see I wanted to see the... The contact, but basically, <laughs> you see him. Man. You see him. He he gets broken. It's in a doubles match, and he's right near. He's near the net, and you see him like line up to kind of <laughs> smack the ball at the back. And what happened? It wasn't. A, it wasn't a ball girl at the back. She ran past at the net, so it's basically point blank and straight into the throat. Um, so, <laughs> like Sore. amazing. Like people do kind of forget that. But and and it was a freak accident. But I mean, yeah. Imagine if he yeah, had made a habit of it. If you're ever accused of committing a crime, Patrick, people will be able to clip out bits of audio from the, <laughs> like, things you were watching on YouTube. And then before you're like, sometimes you just get so angry that you just want to throw something, just explode. Yeah. yeah. Just want to explode. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, getting frustrated on the court and feeling the pressure and that sort of thing, we've been playing tennis again recently, you and me, Tane. We have a couple of games, um, matches. And, uh, a couple of games. <laughs> <laughs> then the fitness really kicks yeah. in. After um, one all. Genuinely, I can't last more than about seven games. Genuinely, like, you keep so- going on about the, the other day you said something like, oh, I think this, this is really my last year of, of, of football, you know. I was like, why? Like, well, I'm 20, 28. The other day, okay, I play sometimes twice a week. There's a Tony Taylor, the guy I told you, absolute legend, just turning 83, plays tennis four times a week, gardens like five hours a day. 
total legend. He's putting you to shame. He's the reverse of your yeah, age. If I was gardening eight times five, five hours a day, I'd be in great shape. <laughs> well, just do that then and then play football. It reminds me of seeing someone was, uh, saw a photo of the, the USA uh, over 80s final, oh, which amazing. is just astonishing, isn't it? And they looked really yeah. in amazing shape, didn't they? So yeah, it's a amazing. secret to not give up, Tone, because your body, you know, you've got to look after 50 it. years of tennis in me. <laughs> yeah. It's, pro- it's probably partly to do with uh, things like the fact that we're going for a Chinese after this. Um, An enormous Chinese. On Tuesday, you had steak for lunch, steak for dinner. I mean, these... No, no I, can, I just haven't got the concentration, I don't think. I've got through this. But yeah, I, I played a, a match the other day against a friend of the show, Ollie. We've talked about this quite a bit, Patrick, but I, I have You're choking. my yeah, my, like I've got all the attributes. My only problem yeah, the racket, is the shoes. <laughs> you turn up on time. I've, no, I've got I've got the game. I've got the forehand, the backhand, the serve. You know, all of that is absolutely fine. My only problem is extreme mental weakness. Like that's the yeah. only flaw. Um, and yeah, against, it's a big one though, against it? Ollie, uh, I was winning four two in games, and then I served for it at five four. And I served for it again at 6-5. And then I was 5-1 up in the tie-break. And then Ollie won the tie-break 7-5. It's uh, best to just stick to a sport where, like running, where there's no, you know... Take the mind not out Not so many, it. like, big moments, because you just don't have it mentally. Yeah. Or, I'm a coach as well, so, like, that would be my advice if you came to me. I think... Just go and play football up. manager. No, it is interesting. You know, obviously, we're talking about tennis today. We talk about cricket a fair amount. You know, those are two sports where... Me- yeah, you know, mentally, it's so. Uh, yeah, all sport, I guess, is mental to a certain extent. But yeah. so, uh, having played, you know, played lots of different sports, not to any particular level, obviously. Uh, you know, tennis, golf, and cricket are probably the three yeah. where I think you, you sort of just think, Christ, what's going on in my me- my head? Well, I, I play matches where I've played matches where you just feel kind of you feel paralysed by nerves, where you're just you really want to play well, you've been playing well in practice or whatever, or in, you know, and you just can't, your body is kind of like, you're totally not and it, able a, to relax. And it's a horrible feeling. It takes a little bit of time to get in the groove when I'm standing at the other end, I know. It's, yeah, I know. You look up, you see Tony Kerr, you think, if I hit <laughs> a slow ball to his forehand, he might get it in the court. So yeah. that sort of pressure. Um, as long as you're not playing with new tennis balls. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'd... But... Um, it is. It's just horrible, isn't it? Like when you see so many players, unbelievable, just hitting, like training, and who can't can't do it when it comes to a match. And that's another thing which Djokovic, that you know, he's just elevated it to. He's just unbelievable on 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 pressure things. Do you remember even when Murray beat him at Wimbledon and actually comfortably overall? But do you remember at the end? Yeah. Murray was like right there, and I think it was even forty love. It was maybe. forty love. Yeah. And Djokovic, like eight minutes later, they were probably like still in the same game. Djokovic just wouldn't go away. He hadn't he hadn't played like that well. Murray had totally outplayed him. But at the f- close, Djokovic then got had break points. And you think if he'd kind of edged it, got that set because I think it was sort of probably five four, then it like changes around. Like the mental strength to, to play that well. well I mean, this is what I that's think... what you need to aspire to. That sort <laughs> of level when you play. Where do you is, get that from? Though is it I think natural? it is really interesting because like it is an insight into how mentally tough these players have to be because. Me playing my friend Ollie on like a Sunday morning 
Yeah. Like, it could not matter less, and there's yeah. nobody watching, yeah. certainly. And, but, the player, and the player at the other end is, you know, is just obviously a friend, but also someone who's not really that bothered about winning. In exactly. The Although the, like, the friend will remind you yeah, constantly yeah, yeah, of the result. But yeah, when, when you're playing against someone, you're basically, you know, I guess you're both playing for your careers, effectively. Mm. The other person, the person at the other end of the, the court wants to smash you off it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you're right, the, that, you're right that tennis is not unique but is you know it, it is a particular thing about tennis you've mentioned golf as well and cricket like these sports where you have a lot of time to think about yeah. what you're going to do whereas in say football rugby like other team sports yeah. where the game sort of flows more i mean it's another really interesting thing the concept of being in the zone where people aren't actually thinking anymore i mean it's a really interesting phenomenon about the human brain but the sports like tennis and cricket you know like it's a it's a real thing in cricket isn't it the yips where bolt that guy scott boswell who just suddenly one day in a county match couldn't land the ball on the pitch anymore and had to give up yeah. playing cricket because he all of a sudden it was just in his head he couldn't do it. Yeah. And the the thing in tennis like I just can't imagine like a second serve at match point down in a Grand Slam final. Yeah. Like the what's going through your or, head there uh, is just to give one very specific example. Federer had won like the five in a row at Wimbledon playing Nadal. You know, in two thousand and eight, mm. championship point Nadal on Nadal serve. Nadal does like the perfect play, somewhat predictable, but it's like the right one to, you know, to Federer's backhand and then aggressive to that corner. He moves across and hits a one-handed backhand down the line passing shot winner. There's no change of facial expression. He looks like he's kicking a football in a park. Like how that surely is partly gift. That's like, probably my favorite single shot of all time in yeah. tennis. Yeah. And he just and he gives it like the most mild fist pump as yeah. in like oh, I'm still in this and I then like exploded out the chair there. but yeah. you said there's no facial expression I'm pretty sure in it there's like this almost imperceptible sort of widening of the eye such a good point just I know it's true yeah. that's actually true he, he he looks up to see the <laughs> shot and the slight kind of fear yeah and then, and then it he almost knows. instantly he realizes and it's just like back to back to yeah. car yeah oh true. god I want to watch yeah. that match yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's astonishing yeah, I know. but it just it is just such and the point before it as well there was the oh. Nadal passing shot the two yeah. two of the coolest points I've ever seen but it is just such an interesting thing in tennis, and I think mm. almost more than most sports, yeah. the the mental side of things is so important. Yeah, I mean, if you if you aren't mentally tough, you're just going to crumble on, on a second serve. Well, like, you're going to crumble like Bayfield. Guillermo Correa um, did it in the French Open final, and he was sort of six two, six one up or something. Um, you know, best of five, obviously, and lost it in five. It was never the same after. And it was partly, and he got injuries and stuff, but he never had the confidence. And he lost all confidence on his serve. It's interesting, you said to me the other day something like, you said something like, oh, in cricket, there's this thing called the yips or something. But I didn't know, maybe it, it's quite possible that that was uh, maybe the first time that that term was coined was with cricket, I don't know. Because I've always known that term as well, because it does exist in tennis for sure, and probably in all these things. The thing with tennis, like Agassi made a case... Um, and it's quite nicely put the way that, that he says it. I can't remember exactly, but he basically makes a, ta uh, a case for tennis being the loneliest sport in the world because he says, even in boxing, you've got your corner. You've got, like, they're getting your drink, they're, you know, advice. And in a weird way, the physical proximity with your opponent. Tennis, you're on your own, but there's this net dividing. There's absolutely mm. no... It's total exposure. And the, if I think... For my sake, like the probably the best player I've ever played, ranking-wise, definitely is Matt Ebden, who's probably got to about, he's probably been at about 50 or 60 in the world. When I played him, it was probably 
150 in the world. But playing him on a quite a big court, and it's the only time I've ever played with Hawkeye as well, and umpire, and I knew it was going to be on TV. Mass- I was massively looking forward to it, but I was also petrified because I thought, what if I can't win points? You suddenly look up and you think, actually, a service box isn't that big mm-hmm. on a second serve. And that's the yips, isn't it? Yeah. You just look up and you're like, you know, what if after we've played like four games, I haven't got a point? That's horrible. So I was going to say the only real, you know, you mentioned the difference between tennis and other individual sports and team sports. I guess, you know, the, the only comparison is with like a penalty shootout yeah, exactly. in football. It's exactly. like yeah. in a game of ten- tennis, but it's like a sort of, a, you know, a five hour penalty shootout. Yeah, that's a good point. Essentially, yeah. isn't uh, which yeah. I think is or, really or actually golf, though, as well, because yeah. because you can't mess. But, you know, it's the thing of you can't mess up once. And it's just that each shot has to be right. Like, the only good thing in tennis is that it's you get, you can have awful yeah, you can shots. Have three and bad it, shots you know. and you can still win the, the game. Um, but the scoring, as you say, is... I was thinking about this today, actually, is... Um, think of it this way, right? You can lose a set, six love, and on paper it looks horrible, or even six love, six love, and actually in each game it's extremely close. And that is brutal, because if you think... If it was not a, so a set is like... If you win a set without dropping a point, it's only 24 points. But imagine you do first to 21. The equivalent would be like 21-16 if you're doing first 21. But that could be a six-love set because you've just won those key points. You know, every game's gone to deuce. It can be. It can it be. It is rough, savage, and you know, you know, when it, when it goes to you know, when it gets towards sort of four or five love, people start you know yeah. smelling bagels and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's yeah. pretty. Yeah, it's quite savage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I have had that. <laughs> friend of the show, <laughs> Renick. I lost six love every <laughs> game. Went to cheese. A friend of mine just follows bagels around. Like a, a friend of mine smell. played a match uh, with a. Uh, it was like t- two friends played this match, but like he managed to bagel the guy and set, and like the next day. I think went to quite some lengths as well. Went out, bought bagels, like went to the guy's like office, like left them on his desk. Well, I think we've previewed the French Open pretty successfully there. Can we book in another one of these at some point? What are, what are your plans in 2019? I'll be around. I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd like. I'd like you to definitely think... won't be playing by then. Yeah, yeah I'll, give, I'll retire by then, so I have a different perspective. Pottering around the garden. <laughs> uh, no, I think we should do one around I can't say before and or after but around each Grand Slam that would be my aim Patrick's putting his shoes on uh, so I think we and his pants on it's it's, it's time to wrap up I was a little bit off-putting but I think we got through it Um, we're off for a Chinese now as I mentioned earlier Uh, duck (laughs) squid um, chick- <laughs> We're going to try not to order too much food this time. I'm yeah. really quite peckish. We, uh, we discovered last time we went to that restaurant, the waitress told us that every time we go, there's a sweepstake amongst the staff about how many dishes we're going to order. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, which is quite amazing because we went, when was it for your birthday last year? Yeah. The person taking our order who actually owns the restaurant told us that that was enough. That yeah, he, he got w- quite angry. He <laughs> said, no, that's enough, guys, for, for this many people. He slammed his notebook shut and said, that's enough, mid-order. Well, yeah, Let's anyway, I think we've probably covered just about everything, have we, that we wanted to talk yeah. about? Well, who's going to win the French Open? Uh, One word. Novak Djokovic. Kerr. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't mine. I just uh, say, yeah, yeah. right, and I did say one word as well. So that's. The uh, oh, thing is, though, you know, a missed opportunity there. It is. It is Djokovic, isn't it? It is. But if it's not Djokovic, well, it's one of Djokovic, Murray, or Nishikori. 
Wow. How Not would you love to see Rafa get a tenth? It would, oh, I'd love there's, something, to. there's something about like the fact that the he had ten. ten. I mean, come on. Nine now nine it's like is, now nine is just like come on, it's pretty poor. But it's also one of those things that like having talked earlier about how you know, is dominance boring. But as soon as dominant people become less dominant, yeah, yeah. suddenly you're like, Oh, what a genius. So like yeah. when Nadal was winning all those French opens, it was like, Yeah, it'd be nice for someone else to do it though, wouldn't it? But now it's like, Yeah, Rafa, get a tent. That's yeah. what we want to see. Good point. If Djokovic suddenly went way off the rails for a while and then emerged like a year and a half later, people would be He'd be so, oh, much, sure. so popular. Yeah. He'd be sure. so popular. He will be a lot like more when popular Triple H when he retires. Injured that time. <laughs> Stop <laughs> like, talking yeah, about wrestling. Right, let's go. Uh, when you two get together, about 25% of your conversation is about wrestling. He was a heel, but people loved him when he got back. <laughs> All right, let's go for Chinese, lads. Thanks for listening, everyone, if you didn't make it out. to the end. And we'll see you in three years. Jerry. But yeah, it is the the French Open starting. It starts on Sunday, doesn't it? It's the it does. Only, the only one of the Grand Slams that starts on the Sunday. Yeah, not sure on why the, on the Sabbath. So, <laughs> why does it start on the Sunday though? What's the point? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> on the Sabbath. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. You're getting you're getting further and further yeah, away. You from are, yeah. <laughs> Just try and get right. Put it in as close as you can. No, <laughs> much closer. That's not as close as it gets, mate. My <laughs> yeah. knees against. That's them. better. That's perfect. Oh, okay. So there's one thing I want to bring up as well. I want to take you to task on this. Oh, well. All right, well, we won't talk Me we or both of us? You and the we, sport of tennis. We can leave. Well, probably, we probably talked about oh, that. Okay. Well, hang on. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it about throwing rackets? Yeah. Oh, my God, you're so annoying. Well, hang on. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's, let's get into it. Okay. So, we won't talk about continent. So you, okay. Well, yeah. The, well, the other thing, I wanted to talk about the warm up in tennis, which is also me taking, well, not me taking you to task. <laughs> we had a really big argument yeah, about well, that. Yeah, so we'll and I didn't speak to you for like six months. We'll talk about it. Uh, what else have we got to get? That's 53 minutes. Okay, well, I had... We'll cut a load of that out, though. There were two, <laughs> Most of what we can. We've got some good stuff. It was all great. I, I found it quite interesting. No, yeah, it w- Certainly when I said stuff. <laughs> <laughs>